1: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? I am better than I deserve, Ian. What about you? Better than I deserve. That's an answer I've not heard before to that question. But uh, you're looking good. I know you've been doing a lot of biking. How's that been going? It's good, man. I'm addicted to
2: it. I've got a problem. It's okay. Know. It's a lot of money. It's expensive, but... You got champagne taste, you
1: know what I mean, with, in terms of your hobbies and interests can't fault you for that
2: buddy told me the other day he said you either go in all in or all out
1: well it's obviously true i mean anybody that listens to this podcast and follows what we do knows that you're all in on bruce springsteen (laughs) so i am i am and uh patreon running strong as always if anybody wants to check that out it's patreon.com slash state of amorica we got some really cool things going over there in terms of bonus episodes and zoom hangs and giveaways and all kinds of stuff so Go over there and check it out if you're interested in some extra David and Ian, which how could you not be?
2: I just put three signed Mark Ford posters in the mail two days ago.
1: Yes. And we've got some other uh, exciting Mark Ford stuff happening a little bit down the line. Another episode in the future. Not featuring Mark. I don't mean to give the wrong impression, but uh, focused on Mark. He'll and come back some, on.
2: He said, tell uh, us he'd come back on.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I just didn't want people to think we were suggesting yeah. that he'd be on again shortly. And... um There'd be some good giveaways along with that as I'm well. I'm sitting
2: here looking at some vinyl that I think I'm going to give away this weekend on Patreon.
1: Mm, very nice. See? So
2: there's things happening. No, that's really creepy how you say that. I'm just going to be honest with you. Mm. <laughs> um, I apologize. Yeah. So I'm looking at, it maybe a Trigger Hippie giveaway. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got a Trigger Hippie giveaway over there. We'll do that on Patreon as well. Um, yeah. We've been, we've uh, given away a bunch of posters and a bunch of signed stuff and I think we finally got rid of all of our Johnny Colt stuff that we had him signed. I felt bad. He was in here signing for a long time, but he was he was happy to do it. That was cool.
1: Yeah, he was real great about that. And uh, speaking of the posters, now that everything has gone out to the respected Patreon folks, uh, we had to take a little breather on that because we didn't realize quite what the undertaking was for doing all those posters. It was or how uh, much it would cost. Yeah, it was big doings. So uh, taking a little break on that, but then we're going to open it back up to the... Uh, the social media platforms and let uh, some more folks have a crack at them. So I did uh, cast the net out there on uh, our social media platforms and on Patreon. I I like to take a survey every once in a while, see how uh, people are enjoying themselves with the program. And, uh, you know, some people threw out a few ideas and one of them was courtesy of Mr. Randy Kaler, a good friend of ours. But he suggested that perhaps we uh, drop in on uh, what we're currently listening to now and again, just to uh, maybe give some people some things to uh, try out. So uh, I asked this uh, pretty much knowing the answer, David, but uh, what Bruce Springsteen record are you listening to right now? <laughs> no. Man, I'm not
2: I'm not going to go with him, and I'll tell you why. I mean, uh, I talk enough about him. So I am going to see The Revivalist with uh, Band of Horses in September at Red Rocks. In September, Red Rocks is a bucket list. I, I love Band of Horses. I know almost nothing about The Revivalist. A lot of people on here have told me how great they are. But the first band that's opening up for them is called the Heavy Heavy. And I started listening to them last night. They only have like an EP out, but the song Go Down River... (laughs) It's a little bit almost like 60s Mamas and Papas meets country music, meets a little bit of rock and roll, beautiful melodies on it. So the heavy, heavy Go Down River and Miles and Miles.
1: I'll have to check those out. I'm not too familiar with those bands. I mean, I've heard of the revivalists, but it's just one of those bands that
2: kind of passed me by it. I've never checked in. Band of Horses is amazing. They're a great band.
1: Yeah, I've heard that as well. You know, sometimes there's just so much out there. You kind of lose track of certain bands for no good reason other than you just sometimes uh, the releases and things can be overwhelming right right now I, i've been listening to because on on classic wax we just did an album the debut album by this band and i really enjoyed it so i've been listening to it a lot our friends in U- the uk and europe are going to be like oh yeah real uh, nice pick it's only been uh, 20 years for you to jump on board it was a debut album by a band called Kasabian, which took off very much so in the uk and europe but never really cracked the united states Tight with oasis oasis are big fans of them Uh, i wouldn't say it's entirely an oasis vibe but there's some of it in there but it's a good straightforward rock stuff i mean i've only listened to the first record the self-titled debut came out in 2004 but i'd highly recommend people checking that out because uh if you're like me you've not heard of kasabian and and if you like rock you'll you'll be in for a, a little treat
2: i feel like they're the ultimate festival band I don't know how many times I would watch these festivals on TV, Glastonbury and, and stuff like that in Europe, and they're always on there. Yeah, I mean that they were big in that whole British, that second wave of that British uh, Britpop kind of movement. But I, yeah, I know they're definitely bigger over there than they are here.
1: Well, that Glastonbury festival that can like uh, break bands pretty big in in that region. You yeah, know, that's a big deal. And uh... My wife
2: and I are talking about going to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that would be really cool. That and then the Download Festival, which used to be Donington. Those two seem like really cool festivals. From what I understand from uh, Steve Sumner, you know, the the Glastonbury was what kind of broke Kasabian Big into the big mainstream. You know, that that festival carries a lot of weight. Definitely would be cool to see that.
2: Oh, one thing we do need to talk about real quick. The debut of The Bagman. Yes. Our buddy Steve Gorman and Luther Dickinson and uh, Nick from... um, trigger hippie put together a three-piece band they've played four or five shows now everybody that i know that has been has said they enjoyed it um and he re- they released two songs on apple music and i believe they're up on youtube from um studio
1: yes and they all are also on spotify because i've checked them out i like the new material i like the sound for a three-piece they're very very solid and full sounding you know what i mean sometimes a uh, it gets a little too uh, spacious when it's just three guys, but uh, the right group of guys know how to fill that space, and these seem like the right group of guys. I mean, the sleeper on this one is Nick Goverick. You know, he's kind of overshadowed by the fact that it's Luther and Steve, but I mean, he he holds right. his own in this as well.
2: Yeah, he seems to be doing the singing as well. He, uh, I've seen him play a couple of times, sometimes even without Trigger Hippie, and he's always he always gets into it. And you know, Luther's always smiling, and it's always good to see Steve Gorman behind the drum kit.
1: Oh, yeah. And it seems like they're doing it really, really largely for the fun of it. You know, it's I mean, there was photos uh, somebody put up, you know, Steve setting up his own drums. You know what I mean? Like it's real bare bones, grassroots kind of thing. And I think that's kind of cool. I think That's what uh, you need more of in music these days.
2: Yeah. So I'm looking forward to them putting something fully realized out. And uh, they're they're doing like seven or eight shows this summer. So if you're in the neighborhood, it definitely sounds like it'd be fun.
1: Yeah, I would recommend anybody go down there and uh, support Steve and check that out. And uh, in Black Crow's news, we got a little uh, tidbit of information that was very interesting, wouldn't you say?
2: Well, I mean, it's all over the board. We we know that they were recording in Nashville because there was a picture taking, I think, on Rich's birthday of all of them in Nashville. And Chris mentioned either on an interview or a show or something that they were recording an album. The rumor is that it's done. It's in the can. And, uh, George Draculius was not the producer. That's the rumor. It's the rumor. It's not confirmed.
1: Yeah. I was surprised to hear that because, um, you know, there's a lot of even photos out, uh, with them and, and George, you know, kind of working things out. And, uh, I don't know, maybe George was in there kind of like a consultant kind of thing. Like, uh, Mutt Lang didn't produce some of the later Def Leppard records, but he kind of came in and executive produced, like he got together with them. Helped him out yeah, with some arrangements and, and contributed a few things, but wasn't the, you know, quote unquote producer. But so maybe George yeah. was functioning in that capacity a little bit for him.
2: Yeah. I mean, and he still may have done it. This, like I said, this preface, this, this is all rumor. No, we, we don't have any first hand knowledge.
1: No, we are not in the loop on this one. Unless <laughs> I think we are.
2: No, I'm sure we'll hear it the first time everybody else hears it, but I'm excited about it. I I, I really liked what Nico brought to the band when I saw him a couple of months ago in Florida. We'll see them here in September. It's going to be a festival, so I doubt there's going to be anything groundbreaking on that. I did think I saw that they may start. It looks like they may be adding some dates around the Aerosmith tour.
1: Yeah, it looks like a kind of a couple of one-off headlining things, you know, in between times, which is kind of cool.
2: Looking forward to new music from that. Check out the Bagmen. Join us on Patreon if you want to. You're not going to be disappointed in that. I promise you. Other than that, I'll turn it back over to Ian. This this episode was his invention yes
1: well you know we were kind of looking to get back to the uh the grassroots the beginning where it's just david and i doing a little something because it's uh you know it's been a while since we've done something just uh one-on-one so i came up with an idea and we're going to run through these we each have our respective lists and it's our top songs that we think would have been cool if any member from any era of the black crows had performed on the original version of so like on the studio album version and uh I I, You came up with a really good list. I came up with a list I think is uh, serviceable. I mean, you'd be a better judge. I don't like to toot my own horn, but I think I came up with a few good things there. But before we get to ours, we threw it out there on our Patreon just to ask and see what some uh, other people's thoughts were. And I I plucked a few from there because there was a couple of good ones. Uh, Our buddy David Hall, he had two really good ones that I I, I was uh, jealous that I didn't think of actually. And uh, one of them was Chris Robinson on Presence of the Lord uh blind faith tune i think he would be fantastic on that uh they kind of did that in a magpie and john hogg was wonderful on it i think chris could really service that tune as well and his other pick was rich on leonard skinner's give me back my bullets i think that's fantastic i think rich would nail that riff i could almost see rich doing the vocal on that too but uh, i'm sure he was talking more more guitar
2: our uh, buddy David Hall with some good suggestions there. Uh State of Love and Trust guys said they'd like to hear Chris sing the Cornell part on Hunger Strike.
1: Yeah, I could see that. That that's out of the box, but I could really uh I could see and that. And then working.
2: um somebody else on Twitter mentioned Ed playing the piano on REM's night swimming. Wow. That would be great. I think I I, I didn't think of that one at all, but uh yeah, Ed,
1: Ed would really throw something into that for sure. Also,
2: um, if you're listening to this, post on Facebook or Twitter whose list is best.
1: <clears throat> yeah. And uh, David's clearing his throat because David always thinks he's the clear winner of these things. But, you know, uh, the truth will out and we'll find out. Producer Jason also uh, mentioned that uh, he thought Steve should be, ha- appear on some uh, of the uh, original Marcus King material because he felt that uh, Steve would have brought it a little more groove and a little more power in the drum spot. So I could see that happening. I didn't really have a problem with anything on the uh, Marcus King records. You know, as they were, but uh, Steve could add something. It'd be nice to to see Marcus uh, mingling with some of the other Black Crows guys. I think that'd bear a good result, don't you?
2: Marcus had come up here in a few minutes.
1: I'm sure. <laughs> that's actually that's right. It's a, but uh, I don't want to blow it. But
2: all right, so I figured we'd just
1: go uh, kind of back and forth on this one. One from you, one from me. So uh, being the gracious host that I am, and uh, hit for tat fr- they call it Ian. That's right. But being the gracious host and the good friend
2: that I am, I'm gonna let you go first. All right, the first one, this was the first one I came up with, and I think it's a no-brainer. And boy, am I hot takes Hudson is about to come out of the woodwork and get people worked up. I would like to hear Ed play on Chest Fever. And, uh, Ian, if you're going to play a clip of this, I want you to play the clip from Widespread Panic performing it, because I like that better than the band's version.
1: It's almost like you're trying to alienate us from people, you know what I mean?
2: Something's I'm not, mistaken. I'm just being, I'm just being <laughs> honest, man. Um, no, I think Ed would kill it on this and I'm dead serious. I like the watch Red, panic version better. <laughs> I think like his intro on "Your Time Is Going to Come" on like the uh, Tonight Show with Jay Leno when he played it, it's just he has a feel for this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think I think Ed would uh,
1: definitely be great on this. Uh, you kind of reawakened me to uh, Chest Fever because it's a tune that kind of went by the wayside for me in terms of the band. You know, I haven't circled back to the band in a while. And, wow, I mean, just a great tune in general. But uh, Ed would definitely add something to this. It's it's uh, a no brainer. That's a perfect pick. Got man. His,
2: it's got his name written all over it
1: first track on my list i have said this before in the past and uh as it being something uh that would be good for him to cover but i also think that uh if he even if he was on the original it'd be fantastic and that's mark on the birds lover of the bayou I love this tune it's it, it, to listen to it uh on the untitled unissued album which is uh i think the bird's final album uh the version of it on there is actually recorded live but i mean the, the vocal is is right in line with mark and the guitar is, is very much his sound it's just it's almost a tune that was like written for mark uh you know before mark existed in the scene you know what i mean but i think uh, uh in both of those capacities he would knock this one out of the park
2: yeah it's 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 got him kind of all in it. Kind of like he always did a good job of picking the right Neil Young songs to play. Yeah. Um, I, I think definitely he'll do this and didn't mud crutch cover this on one of their albums.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they did. And it yeah. was a, a good version there as well. Surprising that they covered it, but, uh, I
2: kind of like that country rock era of the birds.
1: Yeah, that's actually the, the era of the birds I prefer. I mean, the, the original version of the birds that was a bit more jangly and, and used the, uh, you know, the Rickenbackers and all that. And, you know that came up with a, a definitive sound, but the later stuff I really, I really gravitate to a lot more. I like it. It's it's vastly different than early birds.
2: All right, we know that Steve Gorman loves REM, as do I, and one of their heavier songs is "Turn You Inside Out" off the Green album. <laughs> I love the drumming at the beginning of that, it's uh some of Bill barry's hardest hitting stuff, and uh, I think Mr. Gorman would do a great job on that tune.
1: Yeah, when you first put out the list, I, you just sent it to me with uh, who you thought you'd be on it in the song title and not the band. And I, I, I this is a song that just kind of went out of my head. I, I don't necessarily go back to the Green album all that much, but uh hearing this then i went back and listened to the album a bit and it's actually uh, a lot better than i remember and this is definitely a great song i i think uh you're absolutely right steve would do this thing a huge service
2: he'd hit it hard for sure well that's
1: that's no contest he always hits it hard but not uh intrusively hard let's let, 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 let that be said uh the next one on my list which you know did not surprise david whatsoever and uh got me a little bit of ribbing for it but that's uh Rich Robinson on Stephen Still's singing call.
3: Listen to the sound of the bird singing I wonder who we call My fingers hurt so bad Got me grinning And I wonder Can I do it all, all. Here to stretch of rapid In the rushing a Raging river Looking out For boulders and fall A woman She watches from the top Of the canyon Hope we don't drown
0: song slow slow
1: steven stills is very big on open tunings experimented with a lot of open tunings early and i think had a big influence on rich robinson in terms of open tuning so this is a tune from Stephen Stills 2, his second solo album from 71, and I could definitely see Rich really doing something cool with the guitars on this. I like Stephen Stills' vocal. I wouldn't replace it with Rich, but Rich could add a lot guitar-wise to this.
2: Every time we have an episode where we have to pick anything, Stephen Stills comes in every single time. I mean, do you want to start a Stephen Stills podcast?
1: I mean, I could. No, but it really it really boils down to Stephen Stills is a
2: very big influence on Rich Robinson. So he's, yeah, you know, that's why he comes into the conversation a lot. Yeah, I can hear that. Same thing with like the Nick Drake stuff and stuff like that. I definitely can hear that. Now, I just like giving you a hard time because you've got a thing for Stephen Stills. Just admit it. You got a man crush.
1: I'm not going to take this off you with uh, this is a man that, uh, you know, just, uh, I think you're I think camping out outside Bruce Springsteen's house in Jersey. You know what I mean? And now uh, you're telling me I got a problem with Stephen Stills? Come on now. Come on. I'm rumbling through this
2: garbage, but come on. Yeah, I know you are. (laughs) Look, it's Bruce's coffee grinds from (laughs) yesterday. All right. The next one I've got is my favorite Marcus King song, Goodbye, Carolina.
3: Goodbye,
0: Carolina. Search my whole life to find her.
4: Hate to leave you, but I hope you know.
0: I've been seeing you so hold my hand as I'm leaving. All my pain would be enough reason. See you on the other side of the blue red sky. Now I'm going here to tell you goodbye. <laughs>
2: On those solos, I think Luther Dickinson would do a number on those. Matter of fact, the first one almost has his tone on it. And Marcus does an incredible job on it, both singing and, and playing on it. My wife loves this song, and she's like, man, he sure is talented. But I think the way that Luther would approach it would maybe give it a little bit more feel to it. And we all know that that's his bang zone with the slide guitar with that little bit of a blues twist to it so uh I, maybe he'll sit in with him one day and 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 play this one
1: yeah that's a fantastic track from marcus i've always loved that's one of my favorite marcus king tracks and it wasn't until you brought it up that i realized how perfect luther would be on that one and really would fit in nice and and, and elevate it i mean that's pretty much the goal of of the tracks we've both been selecting is is what songs could these guys elevate to the next level and it seems hard that there's a next level for Goodbye Carolina to get to because it's such a great song. But Luther would definitely uh, bring something into the mix that would be outstanding. Nice pick, man. My next pick uh, this one it just kind of came out of the blue. I think it works. Some people might not agree, but that's uh, Mark on ZZ Top's cheap sunglasses. <laughs> more so for the uh the quieter parts in it and then when it gets to the solo you know that that second half of the tune i really think mark could could lay some cool stuff over that that quieter bit and really improve upon the solo a bit not that anything's wrong with billy gibbons playing on
2: that at all because it's okay to criticize another musician on here
1: no i it, the thing is i like that song a lot and it's not like uh it's really lacking anything it's just i think mark would really is billy
2: gibbons even really play on it you seen him live yeah i mean well he plays. He ain't on the, doing a lot of playing he plays on the record but yeah when you said this i'm like that sounds odd because the riffage is more we got rich robinson written over it. but now that you mentioned the solo yeah definitely mark can handle that
1: yeah yeah definitely more focused on the solo part just uh you know adding some coloration to it you know what i mean
2: all right this one is gonna make people cringe but hear me out I would love to see Rich play the harmonies and the rhythms on No Excuses by Allison Chains. First of all, the the vocal part, I think Rich can handle. He's good He's good at harmonies. But then I would like to see what he could do with the those chord progressions because he and Jerry Cantrell have a little bit in common. They're not scared of a minor chord every now and then. And uh, that is a very unique chord progression in that um, song. It's very smooth as well. I just would love to hear Rich give it a stab. Yeah, when you first sent me your list, like I mentioned before, there were no artists. There were just
1: song titles on it. And I'm thinking to myself, is this a, some other band have a song called No Excuses? Because the only one I know is Allison Chains. Uh, very out of the box pick, man. I think it could definitely work. Definitely from the vocal standpoint. Like the more I thought about it, and the more I I kind of yeah. molded over, Rich would definitely fit in nicely in those harmonies. Even if it wasn't replacing Cantrell, it was just adding into the mix. I think it would work too. Either way, I like your style, David. Thinking thinking crazy and uh, coming up a winner.
2: And it's not steven Stills.
1: <laughs> well the next next track is another rich one for me um i would have liked to have seen rich do the beatles it's all too much <laughs> little bit of a cheat on this one rich did cover this song on his 2004 run but he just he nails it so perfectly and then really the guitar sound is right in his wheelhouse you know that's it's that uh you know distorted riff heavy kind of thing very not characteristic for the beatles actually uh it's something a little different in their catalog always a song i liked when i heard rich cover it i thought he was really in tune with it so i i think it, he he would have been great on the on, on a studio version of this you know
2: what album is that off of
1: it's on Yellow Submarine if I'm not mistaken
2: I never heard it before the other day I I did like it and I I was like the guitars are pretty loud on this one and you know I'm not the biggest Beatles fan but that was a song I never heard and I definitely liked it well it's a George tune you know what I mean he did come out with some real diamonds that kind of got glossed over All right, the next one I think is a no brainer I always say that Chris has a funk soul and reggae album in him I'd love to hear Chris sing on Sly and the Family Stones I want to take you higher I just think with the way he does his vocal on Halfway to Everywhere, there's a lot in common musically with this song. I can see him losing his mind on it, totally getting into it and just turning it into a big old jam.
1: Now I was hundred percent on board with you just reading it. And then I went back and listened to the tune and Chris would also do wonders with the harmonica that's going on in this as well. Mm-hmm. He would, he would up the game big time on the harp playing. And uh, those two things, I mean, you're always right. I've always 100% agreed with you in terms of uh, Chris needs to really do some kind of funk soul album at some point in his career before it uh, gets too late. But, uh, you know, and this, a version of this should feature on that if he ever does do it.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's a no-brainer.
1: Now, because I felt the need to compete, I I tried to go a little out of the box on my next one, and that's uh, Chris handling the vocals on Brother Kane's That Don't Satisfy Me. Now, you know, one may say that since Brother Kane came, uh, you know, after the Black Crows, maybe they were influenced by the Black Crows, but the, the vocal style is very, very similar. And I could now, see... No, Damon Chris, Johnson said
2: without the Black Crows, there's no uh, Brother Kane. The more I think about that, the more
1: true I think that is. And and on this particular one, I think Chris would just do a real nasty job with it and really, really would have made it something cool. So I guess that's a compliment to, to Damon because he... uh he did something that would be Chris worthy.
2: Especially 92 Chris. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 92 Chris would have a field day with this one live, uh, even in, in the recording, but man, um, I, I get two of those songs. This is one that has harmonica on it, right? No, the harmonica
1: rock. one's got no shame.
2: Sorry. Oh, got no shame. Yeah. Okay. I get, I get the two of those, man. That album was so big when I was in high school. I think Memphis radio was one of the radio stations. I think that, that broke them. And, uh, it's about four songs on there, man. For like two years, you couldn't go 30 minutes without hearing them. And I saw them uh, actually open for Van Halen on the balance tour. Oh yeah. And, uh, they were, man, they were, they were some kind of good. That was a, a great show. They kind of came but, out of the
1: gate hot and, uh, I don't know. They kind of fizzled after a bit, but they, uh, well, the they...
2: second album was good. I'm not real sure what happened to them because I mean, they're beloved. They're actually doing a few dates every now and then. Kind of in the Alabama area, which is where they're based out of. But Damon Johnson seems like a super nice guy. He's played with everybody. All right. This one is a last-minute change. I don't know why I didn't think about this. Imagine you go to see Pearl Jam, and they normally close with yellow lead (laughs) bet. they usually give Mike five or six minutes at the end to play out that song. Imagine Mark getting his hands on that. It's very Jimi Hendrix like, I think with the touch in the field that Mark has, he would, would turn this into something else.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Nice pick. I mean, it is cool what they do in concert uh, with this tune and Mark would definitely fit in there, but even on the studio version, he would uh, add something special to it because that, that style can tend to sound a little generic if it's in the wrong hands but like mark would really make that sound genuine and really mm-hmm, hit that sure. hit that home that was a nice pick man uh my next tune not much of a stretch on this one to be honest with you because uh this gentleman has played with Anders osborne they even did a project you know together but i always thought luther would have hit it out of the park on Anders' song lafayette It just seems made for Luther's style of playing. The way Luther plays slide, the way Luther picks with his fingers. It's it's almost like it was intended for Luther to play on, but maybe the timing wasn't right or
2: something. But uh, it's one of my favorite tracks by Andrews Osborne, and Luther just would have been great on it. He's a person that I've heard his name a lot and seen him associated with with those guys, but honestly, I didn't know anything about him or, or what he sounded like. And I know they. What was that project called? Like NMO or something like that. Yeah, that they did. Um, I can see now why he picked Luther to to play on that kind of music. And um, I, I mean, it's right in Luther's wheelhouse, and would sounded would sound great with him on there.
1: Yeah, I mean, no question. And that NMO project was pretty cool as well. A little short lived, but uh, definitely uh, worth checking out.
2: All right, we couldn't leave our good buddy Johnny Colt out. Now, Johnny, we know is a rock guy. He 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 likes the rock, and I think one of the more notable bass lines that you heard in the '90s was the opening to "No More Tears." Mm Johnny on the front of the stage with that big pimp hat hmm. and him wailing away on this before uh, Zach wild steps up and, and, and does his thing. But, uh, and that's the kind of music uh, uh, Johnny seems to like anyway. So I, I think he would sound really interesting on that.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely a great pick. Johnny would knock that out of the park, particularly his picking style would fit with this. Yeah, It's funny when you first sent your list, you accidentally wrote Mr. Tinkertrain and I'm like, yeah, that's an, an odd one. And I, you know, I, I was, you know, pretty much anything from that era or that album,
2: would work but this is definitely the uh the top pick how about the tone zach wild has on mr tinker train
1: yeah it's kind of hard to go back and listen to zach wild a little bit because he overdid the pinched harmonics a lot on the guitar like he has that one trademark thing he does and he kind of went overboard with it but i mean he's a hell of a guitar player and uh really his southern rock stuff uh which he started with uh pride and glory is really worth checking out you wouldn't even know it was zach wild you know and uh he actually filled in, if you remember, uh, filled in, in the Allman brothers for an, a night or two.
2: For one night and it was a disaster.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I give him, I give him credit.
2: Yeah. He no, I mean the it. band, I think it horrified the band.
1: Well, you know, Zach is a presence,
2: you know? Cause I think I was reading like where Butch Trucks was yelling at him, calm down or something like that. Cause when <laughs> he was playing. He was excited. So, no, he, yeah. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he stepped in at the last minute, you know, and saved them. So I don't think they're angry with him. I just don't think it went over with them in the crowd.
1: Now, I, I, you know, not to say anything disparaging, but uh, the Grateful Dead crowd and the Allman Brothers crowd, some of them can be a little too discerning and a little too uh, protective of the brand, let's say. So, my next pick actually was also for Johnny. Might be a little left of center, but I, I was listening to "Automatic for the People" REM, and I'm listening to the bass line on "Ignore Land." <laughs> I think Johnny, because his his using a pick style on the bass, would really suit that bass line on Ignore Land a lot. And I think he would really beef it up, for lack of a better term. I don't know. What did you think? I was kind of I was kind of nervous to put this one on there. I thought people might think I'm
2: insane. I think his playing may be a little too heavy on it, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, it might be too, but, mu- it but, might be too I, much. But I
2: see where you're going. I, I, it's one of my favorite R.E.M. songs. It's a good pick. I just think he'd probably be a little too heavy on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where I was a little borderline with it, but uh, I went for it anyway. You know how I am.
2: All right. J.J. Gray and Mofro were the best band that we saw at the uh, Mooncrush Festival that a bunch of us went to. They gave the best performance. And J.J. Gray is full of soul. I mean, full of it. And if you get a chance to go see them live, go see them, because he brought the – well, it wasn't a house because we were outside, but if there had been a house, he'd have brought the house down. He has a song called The Sun is Shining Down. Huh?
4: Minute more days Can you hold out How much longer can you wait She asked There was a time I thought I I could answer But my tongue gets tired As my thoughts drift away Glory, glory, hallelujah The sun is shining shine down
2: It's got a little bit of the uh, seeing things vibe to it. I can see Chris singing this when he's really into it on the front of the stage, giving it his all as he does like on the end of seeing things live. And when I was thinking about songs for Chris, this one was one of the first that came to mind.
1: Yeah, uh, really nice pick. I was not at all hip to J.J. Gray and Mofro. uh, So I went and listened to this song. You know, after you had mentioned it and uh, I could really see Chris fitting in nicely on this one. You know, almost one of those ones like I wish he would do a cover of it at some point, at least just so I could could uh, bear witness to uh, to your thoughts on this one. But don't uh,
2: uh, don't let don't let Ray Permy know that you don't weren't familiar with J.J. Gray and Mofro. Mm-hmm. Permy can get salty. I know he can.
1: You think I don't know Ray Permy can get
2: salty? Anytime I mention saying, Sammy Hagar, he wants to I'm uh, saying. He, treat the man with respect. I love Ray.
1: But I know he can uh, you know, he gets a little uh, brash as they say.
2: Added to he's great. All right. Uh what's your next pick? Next one I
1: went with was actually a uh, a dual performance. Uh, it would be Rich and Sven, our good buddy Sven, on the Rolling Stones casino boogie. <laughs> Uh, exile and i think vocally is really where i'd like to see rich and sven handle this one just because this is one of the the rare times where keith is very prominent vocally in the mix on a stones tune and uh you know not only like you know guitar and bass wise obviously they do a great job but i just think their voices would be so perfectly suited to this track
2: rich robinson covering anything off exile on main street i'm there
1: yeah i mean
2: and, and, and sven's vocals i mean sven just He's so underrated as a backup vocalist.
1: Oh my God. It's unbelievable. And I, I just think really the first thing that came to mind was him doing the Keith part on this vocally. I think he would yeah. knock that out of the park. He's got the the same kind of high end range that, that a lot of people don't remember Keith had at one point, you know, cause he's, you know, his voice has gone very gravelly, uh, you know, in, in uh, the last 25, 30 years.
2: He smokes eight packs a day and chugs a gallon of Jack Daniels for 50 years. i will do it to you.
1: He's Keith Richards. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> all right, Ian, my next pick is my favorite one that I did. Who's the coolest member of Guns N' Roses? Duff. Yeah. Disappointing me. Well, I mean, uh, of all time or, you know? Of all time. Izzy. His, his, boor, his born name was Jeffrey Dean Isabel. Izzy Stradlin, man. Yeah. All right. I love Izzy Stradlin. I think the songs that he wrote for Guns N' Roses are some of their best. The lyrics on them are great. The melodies on them are great. And they really suffered when he left for a lot of reasons. And I love his songs on the Illusion albums. And one that I can hear, it's in vocally, he and Rich have a lot in common. They have that narrow range that if they stay in it, it sounds great. They both are heavily influenced by Keith Richards. Izzy probably more so than than Rich. But I would love to hear Rich play and sing on Dust and Bones. And I would tell Axel to sit on the side of the stage and sit this one out. I think
1: it'd be a home run. Yeah, yeah, definitely a nice pick. I mean, always a track I've liked from the Usual Illusion collection, and uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, Rich would uh, really elevate this track to the next level. My, uh, my next pick mm, might get a little uh, backlash. I'm not sure. Maybe even just from you. I don't know. I was a little nervous to put this one on there, but I really think that Luther would add a lot to Fish's back on the train. the train comes from the farmhouse album which i'm not like the world's biggest fish fan and i upset a lot of fish people because i really prefer a lot of their studio stuff uh you know which is almost like a no-no with some people farmhouse is a uh, probably their most fully realized work that and uh, billy breathes but uh this is a great song and just the rhythm of it and the swing of it really kind of i could just picture luther playing on this and and he would he would add a lot of cool stuff to it and uh I just think it was uh almost like some kind of missed opportunity that that Luther was on this
2: this song. not a big fish fan. I think a lot of their production sounds very, very thin, to be honest with you. but with that said, I mean, he couldn't hurt playing on it, you know um I, I just I'm i I respect them as musicians. I think, you know, the way they do their concerts is great. and I appreciate, you know, how creative they are. but uh, they have just never outside of maybe, I like that song Bounce Around the Room. That was huge when I was in college. But other than that, right, they don't do a lot for me. The
1: thing with fish for me always was when they knock it out of the park, they knock it out of the park. And when they miss, they miss big time. And I think their fan base is a little too forgiving of that for them. You know, sometimes live they really they, they go off the rails. And I know some people enjoy that and they like the uh, spontaneity of it. And I'm all for spontaneity, but sometimes sometimes their stuff can get a little challenging to listen to. So but when they yeah, really yeah. get it together, they get it together.
2: I think a lot of their lyrics are silly.
1: Yeah, but you know, that could be said of a lot of artists, really, no.
2: Yeah, but that's one of the things I like about, you know, Goose, who's kind of like the heir apparent to fish and, and watch for it panic. They do have some a few songs that are silly, but for the most part, their lyrics are, are more intelligent. If you haven't checked out Goose, go check out their latest album, Dripfield. It's it's really, really good. If you and they put on a heck of a show. I was gonna bring All up right. Goose to you because I feel like
1: uh you know you stood them up uh for the prom because the prom came bruce springsteen uh said he was available and uh you ran over to bruce and i haven't heard you talk about goose in a while but uh that new you
2: turned me on to that new record of theirs and i think it's it's really great well they've got a new live album out from um uh radio city music hall and ironically they cover atlantic city
1: is that right mm-hmm. i'll have to check that out
2: yeah it's like a five or six album Thing that they put, I mean, they they jam too much live in concert. To be honest with you, I think jam should be. If everything's jam, then nothing's a jam. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, that's what I liked about the Crows. They have about two songs a night that they really extend out, but it, Goose does it on pretty much all of them. Some some sets, it's like four songs, you know, because of how long they play. All right, I love hearing Steve Gorman beat the living life out of drums, and uh, it makes me happy. I, I love seeing it, and man. I don't know if there's a song he could hit any harder on than the Nirvana classic, In Bloom. Dave Grohl does a killer version on it, but I could see Steve murdering the kid. What do you think?
1: Man, I, again, this was another one where I said, is there another artist that has a song called In Bloom? But yeah, I could see Steve really knocking this out. I mean, that era of Dave Grohl's career where he was really that, you know, almost like Animal from the Muppets on drums, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's hard to, hard to match that, but if anybody's going to do it, it'd be Steve, and I think he could really hit just as hard. If not harder. Especially
2: understand. around the time that this that album was recorded. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mr. Gorman was at his heaviest.
1: You think so? I think I think and a lot of people like saying this, I think he was at his heaviest hitting on By Your Side. Really? Yeah. In terms That's of interesting. The, the the the
2: power of his drumming. Huh.
1: By your side there's, to me was always a Steve Gorman record.
2: There's a few songs on lines where he gets into it pretty good too. Um, That's true, yeah. Midnight from the Inside Out, and I don't like the song Come On, but it's very hard-hitting drum. I'll have to go back and listen to By Your Side and think about that.
1: It is a Steve Gorman album, and
2: that's really largely what saves that album for me a lot of the time. The ultimate Steve Gorman album is the Page Live album. Well, yeah, but Just as far as over.
1: original material goes, By Your Side. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's the clear torch carrier on the uh, Jimmy Page and Black Crow's Live at the Greek i saved my ed harsh pick for last and i thought it over and there's a lot of songs you could you could go with to, to throw Ed on you know obviously what Steven Steele song is it gonna be
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no it's actually uh my favorite tune by the tedeschi trucks band and that's midnight in harlow on midnight in harlem are fantastic i'm not taking anything away from from the uh the players in that band but the organ work on that ed would be sublime on it would be perfect and i just think he he would add so much to the vibe of that song because that song is so subtly brilliant in the beginning and the dynamics of it it really really builds derek's you know knocking out solo that just keeps getting progressively more powerful and i think that's something that ed could really keep up with him really was in his wheelhouse he could really shift dynamics like that without an issue
2: yeah i um but i think that was a probably your best pick to be honest with you his playing would be so tasteful on mm-hmm. that but it would also be show at the same time yeah uh, you would i mean if you can make somebody not listen to Derek trucks and susan Tedesky singing you're 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 doing something and i think he could do just that and not in a way that's showing off just in a way of like hey this is what the song needs.
1: Yeah. And this is, you know, vocally one of be- Susan's best performances and guitar wise. One of the things I liked that Derek did the most out of anything that Derek's ever done. So, but I, I entirely agree. I think still think Ed could kind of steal the spotlight for lack of a better term.
2: righty, And there were two bonus ones I wanted to do because I couldn't fit them into my list. And I think um, they deserve mentioning uh, real quick. I would love to hear Sven's bass playing and, his backing vocals on T-Rex's 20th century boy. We know he likes T-Rex cause he got us to play a T-Rex song when he was on here, but go and listen to some of those backing vocals on that. Um, I think he would, he would kill it. And there's a pretty groovy baseline with a lot of feel on it too, that I think he would do a great job on. And then finally the Tom Waits song going out West, but let's don't go with the Tom Waits version. Uh, widespread panic does an amazing version of this Saw him play it for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It was a real showstopper government mule knocks it out of the park too. I think Mark slide playing on it would be great. And the lyrics are so quirky that I think Chris would deliver them in a, in a, just a great way. Plus that voice is that on that is a little bit in his wheelhouse. And that's one, honestly, I'm surprised the crows never covered, but those are my two bonus tracks.
1: Those are both great tracks. And, uh, the 20th century boy would almost be something that I could see spend doing like Lenny Kravitz style, where he plays every instrument and and himself and just uh, put something out. In fact, let's throw the challenge out there to spend if he still uh, listens in once in a while and uh, see if he could do that. Cause I think that would be fantastic. And uh, I'd also like to think that we were the Genesis behind making that. happen.
2: <laughs> yeah. So we get a producer credit, right?
1: That's right. Uh, inspired by is the credit, right? Um, yeah. My, I only had one bonus track but I wanted to throw it out there. It's a on Helm tune from uh, one of his solo efforts, and it's a song called Milk Cow Boogie. Now, I, I'm reasonably certain most people don't know this song, so go seek it out, listen to it. Steve Gorman would nail this on the drums, and I'm basing that on his performance on the Cabin Fever sessions primarily. Like That's where I'm like, oh, this is something that Steve could really uh, get into. So
2: And it suits more of his Trigger Hippie and Bagman style drumming too.
1: Yes, absolutely. Like more of where he's at within the last ten years or so. You know what I mean? But uh, I don't know it was fun, man. It was nice doing a uh, one-on-one with you. You know, getting yeah, back to I mean, the uh, or getting back to our
2: roots. I'm interested to see by what margin I win by online of who had the best list. You know, David. If,
1: <laughs> there's nothing I've learned about you over the course of our friendship. It's that you are highly competitive.
2: Am if you're not first, you're last, Ian.
1: Yeah, but you're stealthily competitive because you're not someone that would seem, you know, on the surface that you'd be this competitive, but. uh so, yeah, everybody uh, throw it out there at social media or drop us a line, uh, at gmail.com and let us know what you thought of each of our respective lists. And if you have any suggestions yourself, of course, post them in the comments on the episode or, again, email them to us. I was thinking for the, uh, the play out, David, we'd each pick one of our bonus songs. Since I only have one, I'm going to go, obviously, with Levon Helms' Milk Cow Boogie just so people can actually hear it.
2: Let's do uh, Government Mule doing Going Out West from Dark Side of the Mule.
1: All right. Perfect. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for this one. We hope you had a good time
2: and we will see you next time. Let's throw it to our producer, Jason. Stay tall, everyone. Come on.